Get ready. Yeah. Y'all ready for some live shit? Welcome. Welcome to the D, baby. It's all live down here. What you see is all real. Uh, what up, though? What up, though? Welcome back, episode 287 of the What Up Though podcast. Yes, sir. So we dropped one episode already this week, so you're getting two from us. Um, did a quick, uh, I should say quick, so it still was like 40, 50 minutes. But with, uh, well, nobody knows it's PBS, but Sheldon. And so PBS, for, <laughs> we named him, so we, we know two Sheldons, and we were trying to differentiate which Sheldon was which, so... At the time, he was um, a vegeta- sort of vegetarian, so we named him uh, Plant-Based Sheldon, and then, <laughs> and then the other Sheldon was Eastside Sheldon. Uh-huh. <laughs> but now he doesn't even he doesn't he still fucks with meat. So it's like I was talking about the day though. It's like you're not you're not even PBS because you 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 lied like the first. <laughs> Like the first time we hung out, we went to the. I took. I had tickets to the Pistons game, and this nigga almost choked to death on some lamb chops. And I was like, that totally takes away the the plant based part. Like you had all the meats. Yeah, it was it was fucked up. <laughs> like I'm not even used to biting in the flesh. Like I don't even know. I don't even know a, how to chew this. It's been a long time. Y'all gotta, y'all gotta let me get my bearings back right. I'm not used to eating nothing thicker than a leaf. Like, what the fuck is this? Man, that romaine be kind of crunchy sometimes, man. <laughs> Especially like the like the thick part of the rope, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we have two guests in one week. And so uh welcome to the show. Emmy winning uh John Lee Run. What's up, brother? Did What's I going on? Right? Uh no, nah, it's cool though. It is John Lee Ron. Well, it's like it's LeRon, so it's like LeBron. LeBron. It's like it's like LeBron without a it's like LeBron without a B. Uh, okay. That's yeah. my phonetic. It's a um it's a family name. It's actually my uh my pops, my my big brother, my granddad's middle name. So Okay. I want I wanted the stage name. I wanted to to pay tribute to them too, and I thought it sounded cool. So yeah, it's not I... cool until I fucked it up. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's like, "Does he mean Leroy?" <laughs> like, <laughs> like... <laughs> All right, bro. My, my... <laughs> my bad. Uh... It's all good. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, so. Born and raised in Detroit or outside of Detroit? In Detroit. I mean, technically, I was born in a lot. Technically, like this, this is what happened. Like I was, I was, <laughs> I was like, wait, <laughs> metaphorically, I was born. In this yeah, place, like words, <laughs> words do have meaning. Um, <laughs> well, I was, I was born in Atlanta. I don't have any Atlanta memories. We moved before I was two. So born there, raised in Detroit, you know. Oh, you're, de- you're Detroit. If you don't remember that shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So raised there through and through both my both my folks from there. And um, you know, I still got tons of tons of family there and friends and everything as well. So I'm a Detroiter. I'm a Detroiter till to the to the wheels fall. 
What uh, what high school did you go to? I went to Renaissance. Yeah, mm. I went to Renaissance. Mike went to Renaissance. <laughs> Straight up. I bet we was there at the same time, and I even know it. When you when did you graduate? I graduated in 04. No, we wasn't. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So you said before, I was like, nah, I don't think Michael's still- <laughs> God damn, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I graduated. I was 99. Okay. Yeah, I went to a different R. Now is a Meyer. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even, not even a school anymore. They, 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 they used to have uh, a reference section of, like, shirts and shit. And like the clothing department, I don't even know if they still had it anymore. I think they did that like the first year, just as some old reverence shit. And I don't even think they did that anymore. So they yeah. they they a peace offering, and then it was like, all right, we we we, we passed that long little red dogs, but yeah, you know. long little red dogs. They do have a um, I don't even want to call it a a, a, a statue or remember, but it's a like a. It's like a brick area by the bus stop that has, I think, Refford or something on it. Like of all places, the bus like stop a commemorative park bench. Yeah, it is. It's like commemorative. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a commemorative brick stone area for for, for the made school, school rest in peace. Man, I'm mad as fuck. They put a fucking mire there, dog. That's just disrespectful as hell, dude. Right. It's not even a good mire. <laughs> It's not really. It's really not. I mean, I'm happy. My it feels like a warehouse that they turned into a mire. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy my people got a, a mire that's in the hood, but yeah. it's it's just yeah, yeah. I mean, I tried to support it for a while. They always out of shit. The police is there. Well, this could be a good thing. Police is there all the time because I think it's a precinct right next to it. Um, but yeah. So anyway, when the Renaissance, did you go to college in Michigan or no? I actually went to it's it's funny you said a good thing and police in the same sentence like that fucked me up. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but <laughs> no, I actually went to uh I went to FAMU. Yeah. Oh, okay. How'd how'd you pick FAMU? Man, it was they I got a full tuition scholarship and that was the biggest factor. And it gave me a chance to to beat those Michigan winners, which <laughs> which was which was big, um, but I want I wanted to get out of the state too because I felt like if I was if I stayed local I would have been running to the crib every weekend and I needed to to spread my wings a little bit. So, but the biggest thing was was definitely getting the money. And oh, the other thing too was like I was going into school I was undecided as far as like what I wanted to study, and so I knew fam was good in business and journalism, and those are two things I were considering, and so. That was that was part of my uh, decision as well. Okay. What did you do while you was there? Like, um, when did had, you make that decision? Like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Yeah, I ended up I ended up going with journalism um, because. Damn, I did journalism in college too. God damn. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, English was always my favorite subject. Coming up, writing was something that, that came kind of naturally to me, and I I just I like telling stories. So I initially went to school with dreams of being like. Uh, Stuart Scott, Guy Rissasol, or uh, Robin Roberts, you know, just coming up, watching Sports Center, yes. watching the shows and everything. And then when I took my first TV class, man, when that red light came on, I would get stiff as a statue. And mind you, we this wasn't for broadcast. Like, this is just Professor Jones that is watching this. So, like, it's not for air. We're not seeing it as a class. Only he, Only his eyes are on it. And even still, like, when I would have to you know, do my stand up on camera, like I'd be very tight. And so 
Professor Jones, he would always write like loosen up on your stand-ups, loosen up on your stand-ups on my like evaluation sheets. So I just got to a point where I was like, man, I really don't see it for me in front of the camera, uh, but I still want to be involved in some way. So like that's when I shifted my focus from from being on air to behind the scenes. So production and editing and that whole thing. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. Your path, because uh, when I started, I went to Wayne State and when I started with journalism, it felt more like it was this is going to make me sound old as fuck. It felt like it was more newspaper centric than uh, anything in front of the camera. So I never stood in front of a camera in college. I actually this story. Nobody knows. I was on TV as a kid. Um, I did a thing on. Did you PBS. do the grassy? Duh. <laughs> I'll pretend like I didn't hear that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, did, I did a thing on TV as a kid. It was like a, it was a thing on uh, Channel 56, our uh, PBS. And uh, it was a thing where I, I went on there and I told a, like a, I did like a monologue, educational monologue on Otis Redding. Oh, word. Really? Yeah, I, I have no idea where this video is. I, I actually tried to Google it. Um, like maybe like a year or two ago and I couldn't find it. But um, yeah, that was the only thing I've ever done on camera. And when I went to college for journalism, it, like I said, it felt like that's actually what pushed me away from journalism mm -hmm. was that I didn't like that, that newspapery type environment. That's not the kind of writing I like to do. Yeah. And I don't like that, uh, that pressure of, oh, I got to get this done by a certain time because we got to run the paper in the morning because I wrote for their, uh, I did movie reviews for the oh, Wayne State newspaper. And like, that was more lax because it was like, OK, I see the movie and I write my review and I get in whenever. But like the classes was almost it was like they were training you for like being like a on, on air, not on air, but like an in the field, like reporter and shit. Mm -hmm. And I, that I didn't like that. And I'm like, that's not what I want to do. Like, that's not the kind of writing that I, I got into this for. So that's that I, I became more film centric after that. Mm -hmm. But that's that's interesting that you, yours was uh, had some. In ca on camera stuff that's interesting funny yeah. I, uh, I when i think I've, i haven't watched too many movies where they show like newspaper uh situations but the only thing that comes to mind is the wire and that whole situation season my five, man, yeah. yeah my man faking the fucking stories and shit like that but see spotlight that was dope really okay mm -hmm. i'll add that one so um so did you stay down in at, um family after you got after you went to school there or not so after I graduated, I moved back home to Detroit for, um, let's see, I graduated in April. I moved back home for like a few months. I was actually about to go to Mobile, Alabama to work an internship. I was going to be working with their newspaper covering minor league baseball and high school football. And in between that time from graduation to when I was like slated to go down there, I actually got a gig with NFL Films um, for a freelance position working in their production department. So I remember having to call Mobile and like break the news to them. And they were like kind of sad about it. And, and at the same time, you know, at, at, on one end, I'm like, you know, I wanted to to honor the commitment I made, but I mean, even more so I had to honor myself and, and what I was trying to do. So right, it wasn't right. like, it wasn't the hard. It's, it wasn't the hardest thing, but it was still like a little tough, especially because, like, I'm a recovering people pleaser too. So that was interesting. Um, but um, it's interesting too, 
that you mentioned like the newspaper style and and that being like the focus because now being you know i graduated with, with a broadcast journalism degree and now like a lot of jobs what i look up now everything is web-based and everything is like it's either social media or it's social media components mixed with tv but there's like a big web focus and it's like like i like the washington post like they have like a tiktok production department that they're building up and like you'll you'll see like different outlets with social media jobs specifically and it's like i'm a user but like it's, it's so much more to it that i'm like i need to learn and i'm just like damn how many like Coursera's do i need to take to like <laughs> to like to like get my learning curve because i'm just like man like i'm looking at this all oh, it's like they lay it out and i'm just like damn like i got i got some work to do as far as like um building up my skills in, in that regard so it's interesting like how stuff can evolve because yeah i mean uh, it, it, i'm sorry go ahead mike uh yeah i was gonna say like it, that, that's true i've noticed that too because in college like i was there from you know early 2000s and that's why i said it felt like it was built for newspapers but of course we didn't know at that time that newspapers are by and large kind of like you know, about to be up out of there mm. and that moved me away from my passion which was television and film film mainly and you know i i love writing i love films like I, and i thought that was what i was going to do with my life but then when i got there and they were doing a newspaper sales kind of like I, I don't know if i want to do this anymore fast forward to now and like you said it's also web-based and not only that you, there's more uh opportunity for you to do it on your own as opposed to like oh i gotta work for the free press or i gotta work for the washington post or whatever so yeah. like that's what prompted my current youtube channel because i'm like i can do uh movie reviews and film reviews i can just do it how yeah. i want to do it on my own time with my own rules and i can just work to trying to make something out of it that way so it allowed me to pursue what i really enjoy without having to worry about uh, you know, do I got to get a job with this paper or this publication or this outlet? And, you know, maybe one day it ends up being that way. I doubt it. But if it could end up being that end up being that way. But I like the fact that the web based aspect of it also allows more uh, opportunity and flexibility for uh, someone to like work toward their passion or do something that they enjoy if they can find the time. Oh, no doubt. That's dope. That's really dope. Um. So you say so you you turned down Mobile, Alabama. You mm -hmm. started doing NFL film. Now was that local? Oh uh, no, it's actually it was out in um, New Jersey in the Jersey suburbs of Philly, like twenty minutes from the city line. And um, so I moved out here this summer of two thousand nine, and I worked until January twenty third of actually no, that was oh eight. So it was January twenty third of oh nine, and I remember because. It was right after my birthday, and it was right after Obama was What is your birthday? Uh, January 21st. <laughs> I'm like, God damn, dog, are we the same person? Why oh. is January 22nd? Oh, <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> said, oh that's... When you said January 23rd, you were like, it's right after my... When you said January 23rd, you was like, the reason I remember the date, I was, I was stopping myself from going, because it was after my birthday. And then you go, because it was after my birthday. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's she's like, did we just become brothers? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's funny as hell, bro. That's, that's wow. funny as hell. Yeah, my, that's so my, oh man, that's wild, bro. 
But uh, so I was freelance, and my freelance term ended um, right <laughs> right after our birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> And it was uh, Obama's inauguration that week, too, because, like, I had went to D.C. for that, um, which was wild. But um, so my, my freelance term ended actually, like, right before right before the Super Bowl. So, like, I remember. Oh, yeah. I was cut. Like, they, they called me that. It felt like some it felt like some hard knock shit. Like, they called me that week. Like You didn't make the Super Bowl either, nigga. Bro, like, they called me, like, yeah, man, your last day going to be January 23rd. I'm like, wait, what the? I'm with thinking super, like, yo, it's, it's February. Bowl. I'm like, oh, so like, I'm I'm sitting at the house watching the, uh, watching the NFC championship. Like, bro, I'm sitting at the house watching the Steelers Cardinals. Like, dang man, I couldn't even make it to the big game. Man, but, the, the NFL is keeping niggas from the Super Bowl in all angles, bro. Not even <laughs> fucking writing, dog. Bro, bro. So, so We're passing you up for a guy named John Brady. Like, wait, what? <laughs> that damn like Brady got me again. Man, so March, so March of that year, I moved back home. And um I actually, so I'm looking for gigs and stuff. And actually, for a month, I was a substitute teacher, which really? was like, yeah, that was one of them things that was like, oh, I'll never say even, even so I'm a little bit of a hipster with <laughs> Not saying that teachers, I'm a little bit of a hipster on teachers should be paid more bandwagon because just from the substitute, I mean, I'm not, that's not a new idea, but it's been obviously compounded with the pandemic. But um, just, just being a sub for a month, man, I had high school. It was just, it was funny because like they knew, cause I'm what, 22, 23 at the time. And I had, you know, when I'm shaved, I got a baby face. And so they looking at me, they, they, I won't tell them my age, but like, they looking at me and they like, how old are you? And I'm like, I won't tell them. I'm just like, look, man, I'm <laughs> like, I'm old enough to be here. But like, they could tell, like I was close-ish to their age. And so I had to like, so that was one thing. And then it was like, I had to keep myself from laughing because they were pulling some of the same stuff we were pulling in high school. Like one person asked to go to the bathroom and then like 10 other people try to try to do it. And it's like a free for all. Or like just little like I remember, um, <laughs> I think it was it might have been like a lunch hour or something like that. Or uh, and like one of my <laughs> one of my students was like in the back, like throwing up gang signs, and I was just like, "Hey, I was like, you back there stacking?" They're like, "What's they're like, what you know about stacking?" I'm like, "Look, man, I'm not." <laughs> Like, like I'm, I'm, not, I'm like the distance is not that far between us. I like you know. Yeah, like I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm, like I'm not. It's nothing street about me, but like I know a little bit. Like y'all are, y'all are wild. Then they like, you know, asking if I, like you listen to Gucci. I'm like, yeah, listen to Gucci. I listen to Flocker. Like it was so just that was that was funny. But it was where was the school at that you subbed at? Like what uh, state? Oh yeah, it was, it oh, was back home. Yeah, it was uh, back home. I was here. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was um, it was at uh, at Old Refford. So yeah, I was there. I was there for a month. Um, so yeah, I moved back home, and then I was a sub for a month. I was looking for gigs, and then I actually got hired back full time. And so I moved back out to Jersey. Um, so in the films. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I moved back that summer and worked for like almost like 12, 13 years. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. I don't know. I don't want to fast forward too far, but I'm so curious about 
the Emmys. Like I've been wondering about this for years, and Word. so I'm finally able to, to hear this uh, story. To the and it's funny. I remember tweeting you, uh, John, and, and telling Mike, like, man, I just listened to this podcast he's on, and I'm so glad he ain't talk about it there because I want to hear it on here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, I'm glad he shared what he shared on there, but you know, I wanted to hear about it. So yeah, so how how did that come about? Man, I was on the production staff for Hard Knocks. Um, okay. and the, the show won, I think it was back to back years in 2009 and 2010 with the, the Jets in 09, cause that was the Rex Ryan season and he was so good. And then the year after that, I think was one of the Bengals years and that was a bunch of Chad stuff. So, I mean, you have these big characters that, that are there. So, I mean, it's one of them things where like, yeah, there's you know, a credit to the staff and everybody that worked on the show for sure. Um, and then a credit to like getting out the way. Cause when you have somebody that's that magnetic on screen, you just, you just, you just let them do their thing and, and you want to let that run. So um, just, just being a part of the production crew on that. So I, um a lot of, a lot of my stuff was just going through raw footage and, and making the sub clip so that the, the segment producers, could you know see all the good stuff and so sometimes that's that could be tedious because you have so much material going through so you're looking at a a a meeting a group meeting or a position meeting a team meeting and you're looking for a moment that might not be there but when it comes you know you want to definitely you know flag it so that people see it and that it has a possibility of making a show so that was like a big part of it um and then another thing too like i did that I enjoyed was like, I would suggest songs. Um, one of the, the, the main show producer, he, you know, he would reach out to, to the staff and ask for like just different songs, popular songs and songs that might be related to the city or the team and, and ask us for ideas on that. And, you know, like a few of them actually ended up getting placed like for not, not those two that we won Emmys for, but like the Houston Texans one, I suggested a D1 song and like it ended up getting placed. And I think that was like his first placement um, on TV. So to have like to play a part in that is is pretty cool. Like um, stuff, those those type of moments are cool. So the Emmys, man, I don't even because like they do a uh, they do a sports Emmy. They do an award show, but they, they only take like a certain number of people. So I wasn't on that list. But I did get the 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 email blast <laughs> the next morning, you know, letting us know that we won and everything. So that, that had so, to feel surreal as fuck, though, man. Even you know, not being able to you know actually be there, or just the fact that being being you know celebrated, you know, even if it's a team you know effort of something that you played a part in, and that you actually you know, I like I picked certain shit, or I was a part of picking shit. That just seems so fucking surreal, dude. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> it's crazy, man. Like I, I definitely, it's it's one of those things. Like I had to remind myself because, I like it's like I know what role I play. So sometimes it's like, you know, well, I would feel bigger about it if you know I cut this or that. But it's like it, it still take, you know, the same way it takes from one to fifty three on a on a football team, or you know, all the coaches, all the assistants, all the staff people. Like it takes everybody to get it done. So I had to remind myself, like I was a part of that. So. It's wild, man. It's really wild. Like I remember getting a call from um our production coordinator and she was like asking like you know what I wanted 
like on my on my label, like on the trophy, like because like some people put their middle name or put a you know initial or if they were a junior or something like that. And I'm just like, like, wow, like it's really happening. And so and then like the holding in my hands was. It was pretty crazy, man. It was pretty crazy. And, and to be able to put it, you know, in my, in my, my mom and my pop's hands and for them to be, you know, so proud. Like that's the that's the coolest thing about it is like how much of a kick like my my folks and my brother and my and my my family and my friends get out of it, man. Just getting a chance to to share that moment with them and and them, you know, taking pictures with it and the whole nine and everything. Like that's that's a that's a that's a fun thing with it as well. Did you ever did you, like do the I'm sorry, go ahead, Mike. I was gonna say, did you cry at any point? Uh I don't think so. I, I would have. I would have. And, I, and the crazy thing is I don't cry over shit, bro. Like, I, like it's hard to make me cry. But I guess it's, it's because television and film means so much to my life. And it's kind of helped mold me to who I am. So, like, to get something like that, like, I, I would be, I, I'd fall apart, dog. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what the fuck I did. Like, if it was for, like, empty a niggas trash cans, I'd be like, man, I fuck out that shit, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Earn this <laughs> Earn this motherfucker, man. <laughs> Yo, that's, I didn't that, spill a drop, nigga. Hey, like, hey, a single balled up paper. I didn't spill nothing, nigga. Nothing. Hey, it's <laughs> it take everybody, man. And that's real. And that's funny too, because like I uh conversely, like I, I can't hold water, man. Like I'm Dick Vermeer. I will cry over <laughs> it could be a song, it could be a commercial, it could be a movie. Like I cry over anything. So I don't think I did, but like I could have, but <laughs> like I, but oh no, you probably didn't. <laughs> well, yeah. <You> probably didn't. <laughs> no, I, I'm definitely an hourly emotional person, um, in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Did, have you ever thought about uh, uh, reenact? Like I just feel my, I just feel myself doing silly shit. Like I probably would have tried to reenact the the Kobe scene when he won and he was sitting there with the with the uh championship in like the bathroom. Mike, do, yeah. you, do you you know that scene that picture of Kobe? Yeah, yeah, because Jadakus did it after the locks. Uh, oh yeah, that's right, he did. Yeah, yeah. after the locks, like cleaned up Dipset on the verses. Like I would have been it's, pouring champagne through it, you know, all kind of crazy shit, man. It's interesting you mentioned that because I actually do want to do something similar. Um, I want to take a photo like with uh, Jordan had the um, he was like he had a cigar and he was holding up uh, holding up the four. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I want to, I want to, <laughs> I want to recreate that like with a, with a chico stick because I'm a nerd and um, <laughs> hey, holding up the three. So like that's actually I, I pitched one of my home my homegirls on that and um I gotta circle back to it because that's something I want to do. That that's what's up. That's what's up. So all this is in Jersey, right? Yep, yep. Jersey, right side of Philly, right outside of Philly. So I just learned that- today that you don't live here right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I did not know that. Yeah, well, I, man. I, I knew. I, well, well, I was talking to him just maybe a couple of minutes. It was only a couple of minutes before you jumped on. But I always saw him reference Philly. So I didn't know he was actually in Jersey. And so I learned that, you know, uh, a few minutes ago, I guess. Yeah, 80% of my identity is wrapped up in um, in our in our city. So that could have been why you got the impression like I was still back home. For hey, no, you, you rep Detroit well, dog, to the point where like I, I say, Mike didn't even know you went there. Uh, yeah, like I like, you know, how like some people might not live here no more and they still like talk about it. But you know that they live somewhere else because they'll be talking about whatever's going on there. Like, you know, oh, I went to so and so, you know, they, they talk about their present life where they at. And I'm not saying you don't, but I'm just saying I haven't seen anything. 
Yeah. And I was like, oh, he. I didn't know he didn't live here. I didn't know you didn't live here no more until like this till just now. Not Where? just this moment, but like at the beginning when you said Jersey, I'm like, what Jersey? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, all right. I th- thought he was on outer drive. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> right. And like I say, I thought Philly, because I know you've done like uh, comedy shows and stuff, referencing Philly and stuff. So um, mm-hmm. I, just, I just figured uh, Philly. So um, yeah, that's, that's, that's nuts. So you, uh, so you left NFL films when? Well, they they left me. Oh, they, uh, I got, <laughs> they left you. <laughs> I got I got laid off um a few months back at the end of June. So okay, yeah, navigating that has definitely been it's definitely been a uh it's been a challenge, and it's interesting too because like even before then, I was I was looking up other jobs, and I had some interviews and some stuff that that seemed like it would be promising. Nothing panned out. So I would have loved to have been able to like make the call myself, but you don't always get your, you don't always get your your your, your walk off Super Bowl ending, Bruh. retire on the podium like the bus and and, and things like that, man. So, Bruh. It's, it's I, 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 I feel you, I feel you. Uh, when I the last, well, luckily I've been at the job I've been for like five years, but before that I was off for like four years, and I got let go a week before Christmas. Damn. And then my so January came, my pops passed in January, and it was like the worst shit ever. Like, I first off, I'm like, how the fuck do y'all fire a nigga before Christmas? Like, y'all can't even wait to the new year. You know what I'm saying? So I'm wrestling with that in my head. And then my pops passed in January, and then it was like the craziest fucking spiral or whatever. So I get it, bro. Um, I get it. But what I what what I I'm curious though, it's like being at your, I mean, I guess you've been there so long. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's your home, but it's like being away from the city. Does that really bother you during this time? You know what I mean? Like, how's your support system there? It's definitely been it's definitely been tough. It's definitely been tough because, I mean, just even before this, obviously, just going through the pandemic, yeah, um, and everything like that. Because like, I have I have some good friends. I got a good, lot of good friends back home. My good friends out here. Um, it's tough because like we're at different stages in our lives. Right. So like it's it's hard for us to get up, you know. And then it was tough too because like the early part of the of the pandemic, like I was very like I wasn't I was in the crib because I'm like I'm high, I'm high risk. So I didn't really want to risk meeting up, you know, pre-vaccine. Like I would go, I would go to like an outdoor open mic and you know, be maxed up at that and might go grab some food or something like that, but I wasn't really hanging out like that. So it's definitely been a challenge. And um, with, you know, during the layoff and everything, like one thing I have been making a point of is like reconnecting with my people. So reconnecting with my friends, getting, um, spending some time with them and just, you know, if it's going for a walk, if it's meeting up to eat or something, just just getting a chance to to really connect with them. And then, I started dating again recently, so that's been helpful too. Like my lady, she been she been hella supportive, so I've been um, really really grateful for her as well. But it's it's definitely been a challenge. I, uh, and then I've been I've been going to therapy too, so like that's that's definitely um, that's definitely been helping also. But it's been a task for sure. It's how, been a task. How long have you uh, been going to therapy? If you don't mind me asking. Oh no, it's all good. I've been trying to figure it out because like I was actually thinking about it earlier, and I had like a big. Not a big, but I, I had like a layoff of at least a year, so I know like all all together it's been like at least five years. Oh, okay. It, 
Yeah, and it's interesting too, like what got me, cause just growing up, I grew up in the church, and um, I mean the conversation is becoming more, more and more uh, open, and it's becoming more mainstream, which is dope in terms of like black people in therapy in particular. There's still a ways to go, but I was I so I so growing up in church, um, just thinking like the whole pray it away idea and just like you so you take that and then you take the notions of like masculinity and and having to like be tough and to like <laughs> just all the like it's just like all right bro like you you're you a three you the you a three dimensional being if you cut you bleed if you know if you hurt you cry like all that shit is still valid it's just 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 systems and and, and being socialized a certain way so it took a lot for me to get open to it, but the, the the two big things that like really opened me up to even giving it a chance was like one of my cousins, he was open about his experiences on social. And I was like, oh snap, like cuz was, you know, he's sharing his experiences, like he's he's been able to do it, and it seemed like it's helping him. Like that's dope. And the other thing was um, the other thing was Tony Soprano, man. Like I was watching dude, I was, I was just I was gonna bring that up. I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, was, like I like I, I caught the Sopranos like after it was off air. And I'm watching Sopranos, and I'm just like, damn, if big, bad Tony Soprano can go to therapy, <laughs> I can go to therapy, too. And it's like, this not even a real person. Like, this is a character. But it really, I mean, it really did help me, like, be open to the idea of it. So shout out to him. R.I.P. James getting no feedy, man. Like, for real. Yeah, Yo, it's, it was it's never been nothing like that on TV before, where you have a, no. a, a gangster character like that who does that. And I feel you on the whole idea of um, like when you said you saw your cousin talk about it. And that's why, like uh, me and Otis talk about it fairly freely as well. And I've gone to therapy many, many times and I talk about it freely as well for that exact reason. Like I want to kill that stigma of uh, especially in our community, the black community of of therapy, because it it can be useful. And when I say it can be useful, I say that because like for me, it was moderately useful, but that comes along with me, ha- me, my struggles with finding somebody who I connected with. So it was like, I had experiences that weren't that great. They weren't bad, but it's like, I, I never felt like I was taking too much away, f- away from it. But, you know, whether I have a great experience or not, the fact that I'm willing to say, Hey, I did that publicly. I hope will encourage other people who need it more than I do to get out there and do it. Cause that's what I hate. I hate taboo shit in like, especially in the black community. That's why I don't like um, uh, the homophobic nature of the black community neither. Like I can't, I, I'm not gonna be out here like I sucked a dick. Like you can't too. Like I'm not, like, I'll do that. I'm not, I'm not about that life. But like, I don't like the idea of us feeling like we can't be open with who we are. Right. And what I've always said is like, you expect me to believe that there can be, you know, say I go into a room with, a hundred black men and there's uh, just sake of numbers say there's 15 gay guys there and so 50 percent of these guys in this room are gay but you mean to tell me that in a in a uh a nba where the league is however percentage black none of them is gay like no you're not gonna believe i'm not gonna believe that you're gonna yeah. need to tell me a hip-hop where virtually everybody is black that none of them are gay like i'm not gonna believe that neither and so like word you know, i i i, I I don't like the fact that there's rappers or athletes or anything that's like kind of looked at as like the upper echelon of like 
of, of what we can achieve, whether that's true or not. But that's the perception is like, you know, if I'm gonna get out the hood, I got to be a rapper or a baller, you know, something like that. Like, right. if the, even if that's how you feel, that's not accurate. But if that's how you feel, I don't want I don't like the idea of people feeling like they can't be who they are in that in that realm like that. That bothers me. And I like like so if that's why I've talked about it so much on this podcast over the course of the past couple of months, that's why I like Lil Nas X so much, because I feel like that dude is is I hate the term unapologetically, but like he is unapologetic with who he is. Like he's just who he is and, and we don't have enough people like that. So like, I like the fact that you were like, yo, I saw my cousin do it and that made me go, I could do it too. Cause I, I want more people to be like that. I want more people to see Lil Nas X and be like, you know, maybe you not like him. Maybe you're not gonna be out here <laughs> doing the shit he doing his videos or whatever, but you can at least look at him and be like, he's, he's open with who he is and it's, it has not damaged his career at all. So maybe I can be open with who I am too. So like that, like you putting that out there on on your social media or on, on a podcast or or whatever, like I think that helps people probably more than we think it does. Cause somebody maybe he's not maybe they don't hit you up like yo, I saw what you said and that was dope. But I feel like chances are somebody who follows you might look at that and be like, oh, he go to therapy. Oh, that's good. They might, they might look at you like Tony Soprano. Like oh, he go to therapy. I can't too. <laughs> like it's it's funny, but like. It's true though. Like somebody yeah. might look at you like that. You might not even know it. Bro, when I first, when I first, I, I watched Sopranos late and of all the shit I heard about Sopranos, no one mentioned his therapy. So, <laughs> like nobody talked about the therapy part of that. So, you know, when it first starts, he's in therapy. I think the first episode. It's the like, first episode he had Yeah, therapy. he's in therapy. And no one talked about that. And I was like, is therapy that look like crazy of that you don't even mention that in a classic fucking show? Like I've never ever heard anybody talk about the therapy portion. And that was a huge portion of the whole fucking show. Like it was essential to the whole deal. Yeah, essential <laughs> to the whole thing. So I was like, how did nobody ever talk about this shit? So yeah, I always thought that was nuts. And I was funny, I was gonna I was gonna make a joke about it while you were talking about it. But yeah, that's that's actually cool that that somehow bit some kind of off influence of like, you know. Hey, maybe I should try it. You know that that's pretty cool. Yeah, nah, I'm 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 definitely grateful, man. And it's that that piece about breaking down stigmas is so important. You you mentioned Lil Nas, and I think about when I look at Lil Nas, like I I definitely like salute, and I'm I'm grateful because I like I'm like yo, Lil Nas is a free black man, and I and I and Lil Nas makes me want to be freer, and I just I tip my hat, like it's it's really dope to see, like what he's been able to do in such a short amount of time. And, and I hope that it does like continue to open up the door, man. Cause it's such a, it's such an important thing like for people to be able to live um, today, to their fullest self and their fullest extent, man. So it's, it's really dope to see. Yeah. I, uh, and it's funny. I, I think I mentioned to Mike, uh, some kind of um, pop uh, one of the episodes or something. I was just like, I worry about the guy because he's so young and it's just so much, attention and pressure you know what i mean i hope yeah. i just hope his circle is is he has a solid circle of people around him hell i hope he has a therapist too because of all the shit he he deals with he may need some somebody to vent to for a therapist shit. just to deal with a little boosie right <laughs> <laughs> no boosie needs a therapist that's the fuck needs a therapist boosie shit Jeez. bruh, bruh. <laughs> i i wish i remember who the user was so i could pro properly cite him but somebody on Twitter was like, "Little, like, like, little Boosie think about Lil Nas more than his damn mama." And I just, <laughs> I thought that was just such a perfect take because, like, it really does seem it's like, bro, you like, 
you woke up thinking about her, you went to bed thinking like, bro, like, no, like, what is wrong, bro? Like, yeah, this is that, that it's legitimate. Is. Go ahead, fam. No, I'm just saying that guy is just fucking ridiculous. I, I seen somebody posted a picture of uh what was it Russell Westbrook in its dress, and they had the silhouette of Boosie in the background, man. <laughs> I saw that, and I, when I, <laughs> bruh, well, it, it's funny too, because when I saw that pic, I thought, I was like, man, Boosie gonna be furious, <laughs> but like, Russ, Russ, Russ got the look off, like, I got to tell what I had to run, I'm like, yo, he did it, like, I don't know, like, he did it, man, but it's, it's just like, bro, legitimately, like, this is not impacting or harming you in any way, bro. That like not bothering you, dog. It's Why not do you like, give bro, a I'm fuck, just... dog? Why do you give a fuck, man? <laughs> like, Lil, Lil Nas X is just out here living his black-ass, gay-ass life, and, and Boosie Badass is just furious. I mean, he's the same guy that admitted getting his son or nephew's dick sucked by an older woman. Like, you got your kid raped, dog. Like, you have no room... To speak on anything, you know what I'm saying? Charges should come your way, actually. But, Truly. you know, uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, Boosie, Boosie is a hot-ass, hot-ass fucking mess, man. Um, anyway, so... Uh, yeah, fuck Boosie. Uh, <laughs> so, when, when did you start doing stand-up? Man, stand-up was... Uh, so, I took a class in 2017, and that's like... That's what I count as my start. But actually, before then, I, I took a class. It might have been a year or two before that, but I didn't finish it. And I wasn't ready at the time for, like, what the, the what it required, just in terms of, like, putting in the work and, and being able to stretch myself. Mm-hmm. And so 2017, I was, I was working through a breakup, and I just told myself, I was like, man, I owe it to myself to see the class through and just, you know, like, Whatever happens from there happens from there. But like, I just, I want to start it and I want to finish it. And then too, like, I, I wanted to give myself an outlet to be able to cope. And um, I wanted to, to challenge myself too. Cause like to go back to college, like I, you know, it, it's interesting that I'm in this position now. Cause like, I never would have seen it for myself because I wasn't comfortable in front of the microphone. So to be at a point. Yeah, just, now, that's what I was just going to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. It's school to not being, you know, what you wanted to be in front of the camera and shit. And you so, didn't even have an audience. You just had your professors. So. Exactly. So that's why. So like when I, when we, so my class was, I can't remember if it was like six or eight weeks and um, shout out to Vince Valentine. He, he was teaching a class at a, at a local community college. I saw it in the, the, uh, the part, like the, the personal enrichment, course catalog and I was like all right let me see what it's talking about and so that's that's the person I started with the first time and then I went back to him and when we had our graduation show um and I got that first laugh it was like it was it was on it was on and so from there I just I've been hitting open mics and and doing shows like wherever it's a microphone I go to it I'm surprised people don't have sets of like funeral repast and stuff i don't know if that's appropriate <laughs> but like i feel like we should though because it's like man we've been sad like let's you know we've been crying like let's have some fun but it's the I best don't... part that's the best part of a funeral oh, that's a terrible start to this sentence. Okay. <laughs> uh, like, like, i was like where you going with this <laughs> but like if somebody gets up and they're like telling a story about the person and they say something funny like, yeah. that's when everybody feels everybody feels 
really good about that person in that moment. So yeah. like the idea through it sets at a few, like that's not, I don't think that's too yeah. far-fetched. I mean, I, I kind of laughed, but I was like, nah, he right. <laughs> no, nah, you, nah, you are like, it's, um, it's not, nah, that's real. Like I was able to, at my godfather's funeral a few years back, like I was able to get a few laughs and like it, it brought some healing to me and like, you know, my godmother and my family too. So you definitely on to something there. Um, and, and I say all the time, like, like comedy is coping. Like I, I went into it, you know, to help me heal through a breakup. And then also as a way to, to, um, be able to, to take my, my grief and, and my, uh, my depression and, and kind of spin it. So it's like, okay, if I can take something that's troubling me and, and, and find some funny in it, that's almost like a damn superpower. So it became something that, that I'm able to turn to that's, that's healthier in terms of coping and everything. And it's, it's been dope, man. It's been a dope ride. So um, when you say you took this class, uh, this was like a college class? Yeah, it was a it was an intro to stand up class just for like they had a catalog of just personal enrichment courses you could take at the community college. And it could be, you know, some like I've taken dance classes there. Some people do art, photography, um, you know, instrumental stuff. So it was just it was a class like not for credit, but it was it was at the community college. And, you know, you could just come take it to, you know, do something new. And so that's what I that's 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 what I did. What, what was that class like? Like what, 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 like what, how do you structure a class on, on teaching stand-up comedy? I'm like, here's like, what is that like on like a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So we went, we went to like the process of like set up punchline, set up, set up punchline and like what makes a joke and, and how you, you know, you take something. Um, and then, you know, when you get to the end, you, you, you turn it on his head. We, we went through seeing things through a comedic eye. You know, if you look at something through, the, the comedic lens of what's what's weird, what's scary, what's hard or stupid about something. You can find the funny in pretty much any situation. You know, we went through different sets and broke down, you know, how they were constructed and, and you know, what worked about them or, you know, a specific thing that would be good to, to look at. And, and then we, you know, we spent time too, like, okay, like, right. We, you know, it was homework, like, you know, right, 10 premises, right. Right, you know, this many setups, right? This many punchlines. And then each class too, we would like get up and try our material um like on a microphone in front of the class. So and we and we did that to build up to our like three to five minute set for our graduation show. So we we got the fundamentals of like how to write a joke and everything and and stage etiquette and and the whole nine. So it was a dope just primer on on being able to to learn it. Like a lot of people um they talk about that you can pick it up just just from going to open mics and from trying and everything and i i feel that um that's definitely real and a lot of people handle it that way um i'm grateful for my class though and benches and benches coaching because like it just it gave me a foundation and you know without it i might not have had the stones to do to do it on my own but to be able to have like a little bit of that foundation to be able to go out and and then put it together was was definitely helpful for me yeah, that's interesting because I always started with something that like you either got it or you don't. Like I never looked at it as something that could be taught in like an academic setting. Like, cause I feel like like I feel like any old regular person can't take a comedy class and then all of a sudden be good at comedy. But I mean, maybe they can. But like I said, that's a that's a, just a preconception that I had. No, I definitely feel you on that. Like it's, I think it's one of those things where it's like 
the funny like you could you could you can learn the, the format to be able to 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 get the rules to be able to break them on your own and in your own way but you do have to have the funny thing you know on your own type of deal so it's one of them things but it's i mean it's is I, I definitely feel where you're coming from with that so you still I, do it now yep yep still doing it i actually got a show coming up um next weekend in um in jersey man so i'm looking forward to that it's gonna be an outdoor show um in a parking lot so you know i'm gonna, I'm gonna have my 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 crew neck on and and, and and find me a chair and a blanket and and we're gonna rock out in haddonfield new jersey man it should be a good time so i, I know uh, i know a guy who does comedy in philly and jersey i wonder if they'll cross paths because i feel like it's a i feel like it's probably a fairly small commute community from the sense like i feel like most of the people know each other yeah. Uh, like it'd be it'd be wild if like you knew this guy, but yeah, I don't know. What's the name? Uh, yeah. Adam Nutter. The name definitely sound familiar. The name definitely sound familiar. He does comedy with a guy named Neil Wood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh shit, you do know? Him? Yeah, I mean, you know, I know you Neil. Know, for, Neil I know Neil, Neil for sure, and Adam name sound hella familiar. I bet you when I saw him, I went on. They do a podcast together. Yeah, hell yeah. They got they, matter of fact, okay, yeah. Cause one of my um one of my homegirls does a podcast on their network. So yep. Okay. Yep. Do you feel Man, small world? Do you feel yep. like do you feel the pressure? Like, I don't know, a, a comedic a comedy uh class. I feel like I would well one, I'm I'm not very comedic at all, but I just it just seems like a lot That's of right, pressure. Not. I'm not by no means. <laughs> <laughs> I know my I know my stress. <laughs> but uh the, the the pressure of like okay you've done your homework you've written these lines to like get up in front of your peers like that like this is, how how is the pressure for that you know even in class versus like an actual stand up it was tough and when I went through it the first time like I wasn't ready for it because like I have a a lot of my challenges just personally stem from shame and and, and dealing with that so. I definitely felt that, like, the shame and the fear of being judged. So that was something I had to overcome. And when I came back the second time around, it was still something I had to work on, but it was like I knew it was there. And it was cool, too, because, like, we weren't, you know, we all learning together. So it's not like we, you know, some 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 20-year vets that are, like, just casting judgment on these rookies that are, like, right, right. <laughs> thinking it up because we trying to figure it out. But it was just, like, it was it – was it was a supportive environment and like, you know, Vince would give us notes as far as like punch ups and stuff we could use to improve it. And then if we were open to it, like we could lob them out to each other as well. So and it's like it's one of the things where it's like, OK, if if you hear something you think is going to make it better, you use it. And if you know you like if you're not feeling it, then you don't. But it's being open to it definitely helps. And and yeah, like there's that. It's interesting too at open mics because. A lot of times the crowd is comedians, so it's hard to get. That's that's where like it's important to have the trust behind your material because you might not get the laughs that lets you know it's funny. But it's like okay, like I think it's something here, and I, I know when I'm watching sometimes like I, I I laugh easily. So if something is funny to me, I'm a laugh. But at the same time, I'll be in my head too. So like I might be going over either what I'm about to do or what I just did and how I can make it better or something like that. Or you know I could be you know, in the space somewhere. So like somebody can say something funny and I might think like, oh, that was funny, but like, I don't respond that way. And then another thing too is like, sometimes comics are just <laughs> like, they could just be assholes sometimes. Or like they might not want to give it up, which is, you know, something else, but it's just, it's not like a, 
it's just something to, to kind of know. And then it's cool sometimes, too, because, like, there are other open mics where there's crowds and there are people that are, like, coming to laugh. And it's, like, it's similar to a show because you're getting a group of folks that are that are there. So it gives you an even better gauge just as far as the material. So being able to take something that's, like, an idea and to, like, find the funny in it is a cool process. Like, I say it, and it's just it bombs at an open mic and then I'm able to work it and to figure it out to like where something that that becomes funny. And then like, I'm able to be like, Oh yeah, like this, I got something like that's a, it's cool to be able to take something that like might hit me as an idea while I'm driving or on a walk or like showering. And then like to turn it into like a lab, like that shit is, that shit is really dope. Man, a sea, a, a sea of like comedians just seems like the worst crowd ever did. Because it's just like they, they, they're just crying for like, I don't know if it's funny, but like people who are coming to just genuinely, like genuinely laugh just seems like they may be a better crowd. That just seems the pressure. Too. The pressure might just, I don't, I don't, I would just assume that the pressure isn't as much for just the random Joe Blow off the streets to maybe want to laugh versus you got like a, a sea of critics. Like, yeah. eh, I don't know if I want to laugh at this shit. Like, yeah, they, it's definitely a dope feeling when it's a crowd of people that's just coming to vibe out and have a good time. The the thing with the comics is interesting too, because like, it's like on one end you want to win them over, like you, it's it's cool to get the 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 love and the respect of your peers. Um, like I'm not gonna, I'm not one of those people that's like I don't care because I do, <laughs> like I do, but it's not something I could like worry too. I try not to worry too much about it um but it, it, it it's one of the things that like it's there too because it's like you know if I do well in front of you know x person they might they might book me on a show or that type of thing but I one thing that I like been trying to constantly come back to is just you know the notion of just being consistent and being consistently good like I was I had a real life moment with myself the early part of quarantine season one and when, yeah, I know I, we might be we might be on um, Law and Order seasons like, at this point. Defcon eight or something. We on some we on some Simpson stuff out here now, but um, the early on, like when when people were first doing Zoom shows and, and shows online, Twitch and stuff like that, Facebook and IG, and um, I'm just gonna name all platforms. Um, <laughs> Only fans. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, right. that'd be a wild situation. <laughs> you think you about to see some leg? Now nah, you about to get these jokes, nigga. I'm gonna tell jokes, but I'm in my dick out. <laughs> like, what? No, someone tried that already, and it didn't work out. <laughs> oh, Louis C.K. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh god. <laughs> that is, that oh, was not the one. <laughs> oh god, yo, yo. Oh, uh, nah, just... he could have flourished on OnlyFans. Now nah, he got chastised and canceled. He did the same shit on He just did it on the wrong platform. He just, instead of just pulling out his dick on the P, he should have just did it on OnlyFans. Oh my God. Not the not the before his time defense. Yeah. Um, just, he was ahead of his time. Just, <laughs> he thought about telling jokes in his uh, dick out way that was, a was that was the wrong place at wrong time. He really didn't play it that well. Uh, yeah, please, please get consent and please understand. The power dynamics of your dealings. If yeah, you're right. listening, horny comics. Um, so I, not to cut you off, John. So I did jump on one of your Zoom uh, shows once. How yeah. did you like that format? Because it seemed like a, it seemed like a lot. <laughs> like you know, you have. I, one of the things that was really interesting is that they really push 
like the I want to say crowd participation, but the Zoom crowd participation with that. And then it's just, you know, a number of, you know, comics in there coming up. How did you like that format of like, because I know it's a good outlet for you guys. You haven't did a show. It's the pandemic. You know, you just want to get your, your jokes off and have a good time. But it just seemed like a lot going on on one setting. Yeah, it's de- it's definitely it's definitely tough. Like it's for all the things you mentioned, like to be comedy is one of those things that's best in person. And the challenge with that is everything about a comedy, a good comedy setup is bad for Corona. Like you want people in a tightly packed space with low ceilings, um, eating, drinking, laughing, all particles. So while all that's good for comedy, it's tough for, you know, the pandemic and everything. So with the with the Zoom shows. Is and oh, so the the other thing about stand up too is like you can only get better in front of people. Like yes, you can sit at the house and write, and you can rehearse, and, and all that's valuable. But like, you can only get better at a show, at an open mic, in front of an audience. So, and there's no there's no replacing the the in person experience. But the Zoom the Zoom shows, I like them on some level because like it did give me some feedback and i was able to like interact if i'm going to, to talk to somebody and involve them um and the show and things like that and hearing the laughs and everything but it was trippy too because like you would get the delay or um you know i'm looking to try to involve somebody in some crowd work and a bunch of people got their cameras off and so like that's that's a tricky thing so it's, there's no replacing um that that in-person experience but i was definitely grateful for the the online shows just for giving me a chance to 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 put my work out there and, and to connect with my people and it gave me a chance for for some of my folks to see me that they haven't ever seen me you know because uh, yeah. i you know because you know I'm, I'm out here so um but to go back though like the the early part um or the earlier parts of the the beginning of the pandemic i wasn't getting booked for like the the zoom shows and the outdoor shows and everything and I had to have a real moment with myself. I was listening to a Donnell Rawlings interview and he was talking about how they were talking about his career and all the cool things he's done. And he just brought it back to like, yeah, but everything I've done is it comes from the stage and it comes from killing. And so I'm like, I had to, I had to have a, like just a real moment with myself. Like, yeah, before in the before times I wasn't killing. Like I was not, I was not killing like when I was up there. So you know, and that's 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 probably why, like, I'm not getting booked right now because it's like I didn't have that. So it just really made me like renew my focus and to really com- commit to to recommit to like sharpening my sword and everything. And I was able to take a couple classes with um the the off mic comedy school that, that that a couple of my people ran. They ended up having to shut down, but like I took a crowd work class with them. I took a uh, another workshop as well. Um, just about like writing dark comedy and that just helped me just that much more like gave me gave me more tools gave me more confidence and just gave me some more work to to continue to 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 add to my to add up under my belt and everything so it was it was just it's just something that kind of like it's like all right man like you got to push yourself dog you got to really you got to really put in the time and you got to really you know you got to really do it because like if you're not killing it, then that's that's why the book is not coming. And so I was able to to get some outdoor bookings. I was able to get some online bookings as well. 
and some more some more show bookings are coming in. So I just I just want to focus on what I can and that's just continuing to get better. And um, I'm trying to remember that the rest of the stuff can come after that. Yeah, you, you talked about putting the work in and it makes me wonder. I, I, I have a kind of like a two part question and, and the two parts are not related, by the way. Okay. But the first part, the first part is related to what you said. What is your process like? And the reason I ask that is because I've never spoken to anybody who does comedy about comedy. I do a podcast with Adam, but we don't talk about his comedy. And I, I've always wondered what the process is, because I've always envisioned like a comedian, like sitting down and like writing jokes. But like, I also think, too, like, is it more of a thing where maybe you just live your life and you come across things that you find funny and then you might maybe write that down and then flesh out a joke? Like, what, like, what is your process? like? Is it a combination of those things? Is it something I haven't considered? Like, I, I'm just curious, like, if you go, OK, I got to if you were starting from scratch and you're like, oh, I'm going to prepare for a show, not using jokes that I maybe that maybe killed somewhere else or maybe I incorporate those. But I want to put some new shit like like, how do you do that? Do you just sit down and like just write or do you or is it kind of like more of a, 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 a natural process? Yeah, it is. It is a combination. Sometimes it's. Sometimes it's I'm driving and something pops into my head and I have to keep repeating it in my head till I can get to a place where I can get it down. Right. And getting it down can be, it could be in my notes app, typing an idea. It can be recording a voice note of an idea that I get, or it can be like physically writing in either like a Google document or a notebook. I would love to be able to handwrite all my stuff, but I can't read my own writing. So, so I've been <laughs> yeah, trying to like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. And I used to have like great penmanship too, but that that's years, that's years ago. But yeah. So like the main thing is I just try to get it down and then I go from there. And so it might be, it might start with like just the idea and then I'm able to sit down and, and flesh it out a little more. And then sometimes it's like, okay, I have this, I have a premise let me get on stage and try to find it. And so like sometimes at an open mic, I'll rat, I'll like write on stage and then I'll like record my set and go back to it and then just try to like hone it and hone it from there. So everybody's process is different. Some people like sit down and write every single day. I wish I could be one of those people. I mean, I could be, but like it flows better for me. Like when I'm just in the flow of if I'm writing, if I'm walking, if I'm talking to somebody and an idea sparks and I get it down and then I work from there. Okay. Yeah. The, I, I've heard it kind of comparable to like how, how writers write books. And I can't remember the term terms that were used. It was like a, a gardener approach versus I can't remember the other approach, but one of them is kind of like you uh, you have everything built out kind of ahead of time. And then you kind of like work toward that end point. And then there are people who will write a book kind of like, as it comes like, okay, I got, Oh, now I know what I want to say now. So then I'll write that part and then I'll write more. And I, I don't remember the terms, but that was the, how they were differentiated. So you mentioned that you kind of like combine both. Do you practice before you go on the open mic? When I say practice, I mean, like, do you like stand in front of a mirror and work on not just like, cause I, I know it's, it's gotta be more than just, I wrote a good joke. It's gotta be like, I'm, well, I don't say, I can't say it's gotta be, but I'm assuming I could be wrong. It's, it's a, a combination of what you're saying, but also maybe like your mannerisms, your inflection and your voice, your facial expressions. Like if, if that's the case that you incorporate all of those things, body language, tone, all, all of that into your set, do you practice those things before you go ahead? And if so, 
do you practice them by yourself? Do you like try it out in front of friends and family? Like, like, what do you do to prepare? I used to, uh, I used to practice more and it's something, but I used to practice more by myself and it's something I want to go back to doing for those reasons, specifically with my pacing to make sure I'm slowing down so that I could, you know, get my thoughts out there clearly and also to eliminate a lot of ums and filler words. Like that's something I, those are two things that I catch. And sometimes like you've done very well today, by the way, because uh, I find myself saying um a lot. And we've been doing this podcast for like seven years and I just can't get rid of it. I really need a class for it. But I did notice that you are really you, you're really minimum if you've done it at all. So that's pretty good. I appreciate somebody, somebody commented on one of my YouTube videos. and was like, um, count nine thousand. <laughs> like, like that's your valuable contribution to my comment section. Go fuck yourself. I was. I'm I know so, I say it. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you pointing that out because I'm so aware of it. Like I was listening and I just said like, I was listening back to one of my sets and all I could hear was the filler words. And my homegirl texted me to say, it was so good to see you. I didn't want you to leave the stage, you know? So I'm playing, I'm playing back my set, hearing all the mistakes and my homegirl just had, you know, a hell of a night. And so it's important to hear that too, because that can get lost sometimes just in the process of, of doing it. It does help for me to say my material. I, I want to continue doing that too, because like sometimes I get stuck and like, I'll, there we go with a like, now I'm like aware of it. <laughs> but, but I, don't worry, we and we don't edit shit, so everything is just natural. We just put that shit out, man. It's all up. So, so it's definitely something I want to work on. So I'm just so I'm drilling it. So I feel it. The cool thing about comedy is you can go into it with a game plan, and you'll say like, "Hey, here's my set list. I'm gonna tell these seven or eight bits, and and then I'm gonna be on my way." And then you're also still open to whatever happens. Mm-hmm. So you know you're, you're you're going through your set. You're telling your jokes and then somebody yells out something and then it sparks a thought. And so, for example, I was at an open mic some weeks back and somebody like people were talking. And I think one of the one of the like asides I said was like, oh, yeah, I'm just up here trying to live my dream. And like that, that might have been like the funniest thing I said that night. Just just and that was just something me reacting to what was happening because it was like I'm trying to capture the crowd's attention. And it's and they were and it was cool because. The people there, they were like just they were disruptive, but they were having a good time. So it wasn't I wasn't really tripping off them because it was like they were just they were just being drunk and merry as opposed to like somebody yelling at me, you know, trying to like be part of the show type of thing. Like it's it's interesting. It's it's interesting the dynamic between like how somebody is just trying like they're really talkative versus somebody that's like trying to heckle or something like that. And um just playing playing off the the two of those things. I never got to the second part of my question. I completely forgot about it. <laughs> totally unrelated, uh, pointless part. Uh, have you ever met perf- or performed with or had like a famous person in your audience? Uh, met, performed with. So I did a, I did a guest spot on a show back home where Howie Bell was headlining. And that was really dope. He was really cool just in terms of just encouraging me. 
um, giving me just feedback on my material and everything like that and just in turn encouraging me to continue on. Um, as far as meeting people, I've met some some really cool comics just from going to shows because I'm a fan first. So, like, I remember going to see Jessica Kirsten and her saying, like, just because she's she's now, like, starting to get more and more out there and she's been at it for years. And she was just like, yeah, you got to be a warrior. You know, she's been really encouraging. Roy Wood Jr., who's my favorite comic, like, he's been he's shown just a lot of love in general. Like, we did a we did a Zoom show back in the spring with the uh, I did a, a show with the FAMU. New York City Alumni Association and I posted it and like he retweeted it and I was just like yo this is crazy like this is crazy, crazy. <laughs> this is crazy like I was I was like I I was like yo I might get this pressed up on a t-shirt like that was <laughs> that was just an unreal feeling just for somebody like I really like that's that's my favorite comic that's somebody I really enjoy and like he's a fellow he's a fellow family rattler as well so for him to show love like that meant a lot so it's been cool to just, and, and the cool thing about comedy is, be, like, I can I can watch as as a fan of comedy, and then at the same time I can watch as a student too. So I could be like, oh, I like how they did this, or I might have tried this this way, or you know. So I'm able to, to to just appreciate it in its purest form, laugh, and then I'm also able to learn as as well from it. So I still That's enjoy, cool. yeah, I still enjoy going to shows, you know, when I can. Um, I still, you know, enjoy watching specials and segments and stuff too. So I'm having a good time with it. Was there so, any, uh, I'm, uh, was there any, no, you go ahead. I've been, I've been talking too much. You uh, go ahead. It's all good. <laughs> Unless you go forget. I won't. Okay, cool. Is there any, uh, like local comedians that you really look to or that you found that, you know, helpful and influential, uh, what you wanted to do comedy? Man. Um, I mean, going back, obviously like somebody like Coco, you know, comes to mind just growing up hearing her on the radio. Being able first, to go. That was my first comedy show I went to. I went to Coco's House of Comedy on my 21st birthday. I feel like that's everybody's like. Yeah, it, that's it, everybody. it probably is. It probably <laughs> it is. Because uh, in um, uh, uh, Epps, he performed. Uh, um, Mike Epps? Mike Epps. Mike Epps performed at fucking Coco's. And that shit was funny as fuck. Dude. When he was 21? And I was that I was first 20. time you went. I went to yeah, I went I went for my 21st birthday. That was probably that was before he was even popping, right? Yeah, that that was 2001. Two, that was before Friday. That was before he did Friday, next Friday, right? Yeah, that was like 2004 or five, I think. So yeah. Uh I don't, I don't know. Those times might might align. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, so Coco, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember going to seeing that and I was just like, yeah, because she was like fun. And I just remember her from uh Comic View when she did the set when she was pulling all the bottles out her yeah. shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that shit. Classic. Yeah. I've seen, yeah. I've seen, I've yeah. seen comics do that to this day. Yeah, like, I've yeah. seen a couple comics do it, and it's. Just... And I don't remember one before. I don't remember one before her doing that bottle out of the shirt thing. You know, so I feel like she might have been the martyr of pulling up a Hennessy bottle from under her titty and shit, like <laughs> under her <laughs> or titty. whatever it was. Like. <laughs> Definitely, definitely a, a pioneer in the in the pulling out brown liquor game, man. Like I, <laughs> I, I tip my hat to her, man. And it's cool too. Like I, I think of Coco's as well, man. Just being, being down there, and it's something I really, really want. It would be dope if we can get more more comedy clubs, like in the city in particular, because Hell Detroit yeah. is such a 
there's so much talent there. There's so much talent there. And there's so many greats that have come out of there. And and it, it'd be dope to to you know see that for sure. I uh I seen uh Kool-Aid rest in peace a few times in the city. And I just I used to see him, they should do comedy at starters on Plymouth. Word. And so I used to see him there. I didn't see him a few times there. I didn't see him at a spot in Southfield and you know a couple of other spots. And I'm not sure why I've seen him so many times of all the comedy shows I've seen, but he was one of the main people I've seen a lot and stuff. So that was kind of fucked up to him. He passed, but he was one of the cooler people I remember in the city as far as comedy um comedy and um Fucking somebody else is on the tip of my tongue and I can't think. But yeah, Kool-Aid comes to mind when I think of just, you know, Detroit, Detroit guys. Uh Tony Brown, that's another guy who I've always uh thought was uh pretty cool in the city as well. Yeah. So, so put y'all both on the spot. Who y'all top five then all time? I, I, I'll answer too, but since I since I asked the question, I get to go last. Man, could I uh before we do that, I want to go back to Kool-Aid right quick. God rest his soul. Yeah. Before he passed, he he did a um I did an open mic at um at Punchline in Southfield when it was still open. That's and, what it was Punchline. That's yeah, what it was, yeah. Yeah, Kool Aid, <laughs> Kool Aid dropped in and did like forty minutes, bro. And he was like ripping, and I'm just like, I gotta follow this dude. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the back pacing, like yo. <laughs> Heather, Heather J, who was Heather J and um, Melanie, they were hosting. I'm just looking at them like, bro, how am I supposed to follow this guy? Like, it, <laughs> it was, it was, that was definitely like a humbling night just to see him do his thing and then to get up and try to follow him. And um, yeah, that was tough. How'd you do? I did all right. I did all right. I had some laughs. Hey, as long a- as you didn't bomb. Like you, I feel like you could feel good about that. Like if you went on after him and you didn't totally fucking bomb, that's a win. Yeah, you're right. I definitely take that win, and we count all of them for sure. Yeah, I've heard a lot of stories like that about uh, up and coming comics who tell like, well, cur- like famous comics, but talking about when they were up and coming. So I'm like, yeah, I had this show, and then fucking Chris Rock showed up and did like 45 minutes. I had to go on after that, like. Man, I can't, yeah. I can't even imagine uh, the intimidation levels. Like, fuck. You, you just never know, bro. I went to go see Hannibal um, at the Apollo in New York City, and Chris Rock dropped in and did like 10 minutes. And I was just like, yo, because Chris Rock's my, my all time favorite. So, yeah, so we, got to- your, we got your one. Yeah. Okay. We- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris Rock's my all time favorite, man. So to see him was, uh, that was really dope, especially, you know, for it to be a surprise. Spoiler alert, he's my number three. So okay. he's on my list as well. I I I, I you don't know me that well, but mm-hmm. I, I love to rank shit. It's like, yeah, like one of my favorite things. I love to rank shit. So I, anytime I anytime somebody asks me, oh, how do you rank so-and-so? I've already thought about it. So it's like I don't I, I'm never really put on the spot because I spend a lot of time thinking about how I rank things. But I'm still okay. gonna go, I'm still gonna go last though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I've never even thought about that though. Fuck. No way. You've never thought about that. I'm. N- I mean, I have favorites, but I've never actually tried to put them in 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 an order. Um, well, I'll give you an out and say, you don't have to put them in order. Just run off a of five. Word. That should be easier. Okay, that's fair. 
John, do you, do you have yours in mind? I'm working on it I, right now. Okay, I gotta... I, I, I'll, I'll go first then to give you all some time to think then. Appreciate how's it. That, how's that? Okay. So my number one is George Carlin. I, I grew up on George Carlin. Um, I've always been a fan of comics who I feel like provide a unique insight into human nature and who look at things, uh, who look at the world in like a, I think like a clearer perspective than most people do. And, and they notice uh, things that the average person doesn't, which, which is, which applies to most good comics. But what I, what I particularly, what, what the thing about Carlin that resonated with me particularly is like, I'm such a, 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 a word guy. Like I love writing. I'm big on the English language and grammar and shit like that. And George Carlin loved to play around with words and, and euphemisms and things like that. And that always resonated with me. And his viewpoints on religion always resonated with me. Uh, like, I, I, it's more of a, everybody likes Carlin, but I put him at my number one is just because like his style of comedy always really resonated with me aside from he was big on fart jokes, which I'm not a big fan of. But <laughs> aside from that, his shit really resonated with me. Uh, my number two is Dave Chappelle. Uh, I feel like Dave Chappelle, I shouldn't give an explanation on every person, but like, Dave, yeah, I know I'm not gonna because because I'd be talking for too long and this ain't about me. But Dave Chappelle, again, he kind of resonated with me in the same way. I always thought that he had a he was really good at taking everyday aspects of life that we all know and are aware of, but presenting them in a light that you hadn't thought of before. And then that makes you laugh. Like, I never even considered that. When I think of like some of my all my all time favorite jokes that I've heard, they all fall well not all but most of them fall under Chappelle and Chris Rock, because those two always have said things that I'm just like, I I get that and I understand that, but I never looked at it that way. But then I also respect the talent it takes to convey that in a way that resonates, and and all three of those guys always really had a strong impact on me from that perspective. So like I said, Chris Rock's number three. After that, it kind of gets a little weird. Like it gets a little tough for me to rank them after that. But um, I'd probably say Cat Williams would be in there. Um, I, 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 Patrice O'Neal would be in there. Facts. Um, Bill Burr would be in there. Uh, obviously, uh, Pryor would be in there. Eddie Murphy would be in there. Uh, I, it's hard, kind of hard for me to rank them after those first three, but that, that's kind of my, it, af, after Carlin, Chappelle and rock, it kind of, it can, it kind of can vary. Well, fuck. Word. Um, <laughs> what? what? I, I, it's like kind of follow up a, uh, uh, you know, someone who you, you made a hell of a, hell of a list. Um, I, I'm the, I'm the comedian that came in and crushed it for 45 minutes. And yeah, now actually. Yeah. Up. Now I'm sitting here like, <laughs> um, so just run off five names. Uh, just run off. No, five that's names. fine. That's fine. And um, I'm, I'm particularly curious. I'm, it's something that always interests me how people, uh, take to comedy. Like the, the like the brand of comedy that they like because people do it differently. So like it kind of it, it's always interesting interesting to me to hear people say like I like these people and and you know just kind of figure out like okay what is it about that person that makes them resonate with this individual versus whether how they resonate with me. Um. All right. Well, I go because I 
I don't I, I won't do any real explanations, but um Cedric was always been one of my my favorites. Um Bernie Mac, Eddie, Fryer, and probably Steve Harvey. Word. And so almost honor, all the honor, kings of comedy. Honorable mention. Um uh he I, I haven't had no <laughs> He was always oh he was iffy to me, man. I don't oh, know man, you why. said all the other kings of comedy. Yeah, I know, so. <laughs> right? But well, who I can say that I um I don't know who, who makes many lists, and I haven't heard her in a while. But I was always a big fan of Samore. Like she always I liked her did it too. For me. Uh, I liked her know. on Comic View so much. Yeah, she was my, yeah. she's probably one of my favorite Comic View people. Yeah, her and um what was the older they uh a, a, oh uh yeah uh Adele Lou Adele was it Adele no is it Adele was it no, oh, Laura Hayes. Laura Hayes. Hayes. Laura Hayes. Oh, yeah. Laura. Did she host? Didn't she host? Yeah. Comic think, before yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She did host. And she was always one of my, my favorites. Um, so, yeah, that was like, that kind of, that was kind of top my list. Yeah. My, um, my all time favorite is Chris Rock. My current favorite the last three or four years has been Roy Wood Jr. and then also Chanel Ali. She's an up-and-comer from Philly, based in New York City now. Dropped her first album, like, last year. Okay, check um, her out. Yeah, that's that's definitely a name to remember. I'm a big Chanel Ali fan. I know people still did albums. Yeah, yep, yep. Still right. do albums, man. Wanda Sykes, I like Wanda a lot. She's yeah. really dope. Really like her writing. Really like her point of view. Um, she just... She's a killer, man. That's a good one. Shit. Yeah. Then um, I gotta go. Ali Sadiq. He's just such a dynamic storyteller. Um, I would definitely put, you know, Patrice in that mix. Dave, Hannibal, cast like that. But that's that's the five I'm gonna go with. Cool. I what I, I think I really so I didn't see too many Patrice O'Neill stand ups. I mean, I, obviously, Elephant in the Room was probably the the one he was probably most known for. Um publicly that for any I guess even just fair weather fans. But the special they did with him was so interesting just hearing the stories that people had about him. Um that was just, you know, pretty pretty cool. And um I thought that was a hell of a I only say documentary or uh how you ever want to call it. But yeah, I just watched like, that recently too. <laughs> he's like I feel and and I'm obviously not speaking from experience, but I feel like he's like a comics comic. Like other, when other comics talk about their favorites, they mention Patrice O'Neill, and Patrice O'Neill doesn't have that library of specials like, uh, like Kevin Hart does or or like Dave Chappelle does. But anytime you hear comedians talk about their favorites, they almost always mention Patrice O'Neill, and I think that's a testament to uh, how impactful he was. Yeah, I go back and watch his um his roast of Charlie Sheen set. Mm. So so often, like whenever I need a laugh or just because he again, that's an example of like he went into it with a game plan, and then when he got up there, like he totally went away from it because like the, the moment called for something else. And I appreciate just his ability to make people uncomfortable and to then be able to climb out of like whatever hole he dug and to kind of either if not win you back, then at least to like Hey, your brain spinning. So, like, he he was definitely somebody that I appreciate because he didn't care as much about being like like he didn't care about being liked like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and just was funny as all hell and just so smart, man. So I just 
that's somebody it, that's somebody I, I I really appreciate. And I can always just go back to his stuff and and feel like I'm I'm catching something new. He just it, well, he came up uh, a lot. A couple of was it last week or so when they were uh, looking for that one random white girl that. Oh, and oh hell they, yeah! Anybody was talking about that segment when he was talking about you know our white women is valuable and missing and shit like that, and it made me go back and watch it all over again and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a classic bit, man. That was a classic bit. It really was. Like, it's it's something that plays out, you know, over and over again. Unfortunately, and I I give I give her family credit because I think you know her pops was quoted as saying you know, how important it is for, for other women, particularly, you know, non-white women to, to get that same, you know, level of, of, of care and concern. And I mean, for him to be able to make that statement in the midst of, you know, his grief. Yeah, losing your own daughter. And exactly. Was, you know, yeah. they, they had made some, it was some, some stories about how, I guess she was missing in like an indigenous area where there was like tons of indigenous women that never yeah. got any attention. Yeah, and, you know, now you got, you know, this this one white woman and like she's on all the news and shit, you know what I'm saying? So Yeah, it's a gang of black women and indigenous women that like just an outsized number that that are missing and they go missing and you know, I, I read a report, it was um CNN had this good story just talking about um just us in particular and I, I hate to turn people of color cuz like uh, anyway, just, just like it's just, <laughs> okay. I just, I mean, it's I, I wish because sometimes it's like it's yes, these. I wish there was some other way to describe the groups without having to say either like person of color or non-white. But you know, anyway, for the yeah, sake of yeah, discussion, like basically the CNN piece was talking about missing black folks, indigenous folks, um, other minorities, people of color, whatever you say. And they were talking about just the struggle of getting the resources and the, and the attention. And there was this one father that I believe had a missing son and he hired like a, a outside firm to, to search for his child because like he, he didn't trust the level of the work the police and, and those people were doing. And like his group ended up finding X number of missing people like in their search for his son. trying to find his own son. He yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, a, like it's a heavy thing, man. It's a heavy thing. Wow. Um, man, yeah, that's crazy. So comedy is with you where you at. Yeah. It's what you're going with. Would you yep. would you ever get back into to uh like just film and stuff that you've done? Yeah, no question. Yeah, no question. I'm I'm not I'm not nearly at a place where I can't rely on comedy. <laughs> comedy, comedy can maybe buy me a, a a meal. It can maybe give me some gas money. It cannot pay my rent. So I mean, I'm currently looking for jobs now, and I would definitely you know get back into production for sure. Um, so I mean, I got it in my bio right now. Like I'm I'm I think it's like a stand up comic and unemployed three time. Emmy winner, if you could help me with a job or stage time, like hit me up, something like that. And it's like, yeah, like I like either either one of those would be good. So yeah, I would definitely work in production again. And I'm open to, you know, switching gears too. Like that's that's something that's been, you know, re re reiterated just throughout this whole deal with being unemployed and obviously with the pandemic, it's just having to be flexible and everything. So 
you know, just trying to stay encouraged just through this through this process. So entirely unrelated, where are your Emmy statues at right now? <laughs> I'm curious, dog, because I'm like, dude, uh, like, like, okay, so if you like, uh, I, I I don't know why we keep going back to this motherfucker, but like if you Ed O'Neill and you got like a whole bunch of them bitches, like you might not even have them prominently displayed because it's like so customary for you, you know, or if you Meryl Streep, you probably don't got your Oscars just like everywhere, like on display. Like she's probably like, like an Oscar to her is probably like a salad fork or some shit. Like she's got a whole bunch of them bitches, right? right? So, yeah. But yeah. like for motherfuckers like us to achieve that level, uh, well, not us, but like because I haven't, but like, <laughs> like for us collectively, yeah. the royal we, <laughs> right, yeah. to have achieved something like that, like my shit would be like in the mud room of my house, like as soon as you walk in, like you take your shoes off, like why is your Indy like next to your <laughs> raincoat, like so I want niggas to see it, <laughs> like, know who the fuck I am. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my uh, like, why your Emmy on top of the PlayStation? Like, hey, <laughs> needs to be visible so niggas know. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> he might he might be bad that I even tell this, but I gotta live my truth. My I tried to get I one of my them. I, <laughs> fifteen hundred bones. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't get to the eBay stage yet, and preferably we don't. But no, I tried to get one of my brother, man, and he like turned it down. He want it. <laughs> he didn't want it. He was like, "Bro, that's yours. You need." Yeah, that's what he said. He was like, you need to display it, man. You need that junk on the metal in your house, man. So when when people walk in, like they they know it's yours and everything. And he was like, you know, if you having a if you having a young lady over, like that. A, and I'm just like, man, but if she hey. here, like she already into me. So like, I don't have to like flex. <laughs> like, like she gonna but, be even more into me or something? Like yeah, she's on but, the fence, but once she saw the Emmy, she like, yeah, dog. Like he'll bump something, bro. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's your iPhone lock screen. <laughs> like, <laughs> so so the 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 first two are on my parents. Uh they my parents have those, they on the mantle back at the crib, and then the other one is is with me and it's in a box. <laughs> it's in a box. It's in a box, man. Which which feels crazy to say, but it's true. It's in a box with your raggedy ass hair right and say Emmy. <laughs> I ain't even unpacked that bitch yet. <laughs> I ain't even took the tape off. <laughs> What's that? You an ungrateful motherfucker. No, no, I know. I, I feel bad when I say it sometimes, but that's the thing, man. It's yeah, I don't know. Somebody come over. Let me see your Emmy. You gotta blow the dust off the <laughs> All right, let, me, let me go grab this off. off the box. But I would Ooh, imagine just with, with just life. Let me and take shit, these N64 you know? games out the box. It's on the bottom. <laughs> <N64>. <laughs> Like Donkey Kong, Super Mario, fuck Goldeneye. Oh, here it is. <laughs> I, I would imagine just with just the the regular life shit going on, like you know, Emmys. I think what's your your uh your your cash app? Emmys don't feed my my niece or something. What, what? Oh yeah, my my cash <laughs> my my cash app tag is um my niece can't eat Emmys. Hey, so <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's real. But I would imagine it's one of those things where you know, hey, it's like you know you you it's. it's you're appreciative, but at the same time, it's like it's not doing anything to to push nothing currently. You know, it's just like you know, I want to, or the is it the novelty? It's like you know, the novelty is not there. 
it's it's one of the things like I don't want to I don't want to come off like I'm just like to hell with it all. Um, I am grateful, but it is something that like I I as somebody that deals with depression, I I deal with the past a lot. <laughs> so right, right, right. so and that could be you know that could be. It could cut, you know, both ways. Sometimes it could be something, you know, like I'm learning from something, and sometimes it could just take me down a a, a tough path. Um, but I don't. I, it makes me like uncomfortable a little bit. So like I don't like to. to I know to, to have it on display would just be a cool thing to be able to like reflect and everything. Um, but yeah, it's. I'm weird about it. I guess. I mean, that makes sense though. Like, like. Like how you said, like you you dwell on the past and shit like that. I could see that, you know, maybe like triggering some shit for you sometimes, or or feeling self conscious about it. Like like I don't want to feel like I'm flexing. Like you know, different people are built differently. So like I mean that makes sense. Like I would hang my shit from my rearview mirror like an air freshener. <laughs> but like, like <laughs> but I mean we build different, dog. Nah? Like, <laughs> like what's that black ice? No, no, that's NBA. Black ice. <laughs> Always gotta have a black ice. Everybody got the black ice stuff. Yo, so I didn't know that people still use like those air freshener trees. Like I didn't think that was a I, thing. I do. I, 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 I haven't do. bought none in years. I, I have like this 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 cool so black ass, ice hanging from my shit right now. I, I, just have, I have this random ass Jamaican spray that I just spray on the carpet in the back seat and it works. But it works. I was driving home today and this person had i just happened to look over and they had like three or four of them like stuck in the vent Vent. like like the fuck like like top tree first like they were digging them inside the vent i'm like what the fuck is going on like is it helping permeate the the smell when the heat probably it was like pushed in the fucking vent and i was like i ain't know people still use trees but i was like okay well yeah i still use trees but like (laughs) I, i i just really like the smell of them but like put them in the vent like I don't even see why that's necessary. Them things is not lightly fragranced, dog. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, that's gonna be strong as fuck. Yeah, yeah. the shit say the shit even say on the wrapper like you supposed to like have it partially in the wrapper and shit. Yeah, like, you have po- it's, like, it's, like, yeah time, it's like it's like it's time release. Yeah, oh, wow. you supposed to have yeah, it par- yeah. like partially in the wrapper and just like move it out periodically. Yeah. I rip that bitch out and throw it up there. <laughs> oh, you get like full 100% like immediately. Yeah, because I think it's it almost say, I think it's on the wrapper, like it's in sections. It you undo the plastic, you mm-hmm. get this much, this much, and then however many a week later, you could just undo it fully or something. It gives you like, mm-hmm. I don't know, full powers or some shit. I don't know. I didn't I even want know the that. Power out the gate. Yeah, I want the full power out the gate, dog. I rip that bitch out and put it right up there, dog. That shit, your whole car smell like new car smell immediately. <laughs> Yo, they got the um, they have the fresheners too that clip onto your vents now. So I don't know yeah. why somebody is like yeah, stuffing the like, trees. Nah. <laughs> they like, like, I'm gonna make my own. It was yeah, like all you I'm, saw I'm, is I'm the trees all, all day. You saw is the bottom of the trees. It was like three of them stuck in the fucking vent. That's yeah, so weird. Wild shit. Yeah, the shit you see on Davidson. Um, yeah, true <laughs> sure indeed. Yeah, but bro, thank you so much, man. It's been a long time coming, partially because I've been BSing, but man, thank you for for being open and. And sharing, man, it's much, 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 much appreciated, man. Well, I appreciate y'all having me, man. This is a this is a real good time. I'm glad we could do it, man. Yeah, man, we would have to have to do it again one time, man. When uh, so when's your next show? Next show is October 16th. It's in um Haddonfield, New Jersey, at uh, uh 
you can you can go to my go to my IG page. I got the link. I got the Eventbrite link in my bio, and then I have one on um the end of the month too at a at a movie theater actually in Marlton, man. So I'm gonna be slinging jokes on sticky floors. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sticky floors <laughs> at the theater. Is your IG the same as your uh, Twitter Twitter name? Yep, it is. It is D- Detroit Player P L A I R. No, I love the fucking spelling. By the way, that shit's awesome. I do too. I, I really like that too. And you've had multiple Twitter names, but this was my favorite one. It's something yeah. about the PLAIR that I really like. Yeah, this is the one that definitely stuck, man. I gotta I gotta salute Big Sean because like that's that's where I took it from him saying it like that in song. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm around with that. So. Was that on Detroit too or a different album? Uh I think it was it was on um, you know what? It was on the finally famous. Okay. Three the mixtape on um, what's the song? Fat Raps on Fat Raps remix. He was like West Sider, Detroit player, fucking around and now might bring back Gators. So yeah, that's where I got it from. You ever had a pair of Gators? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. I work. I'm working on it. Uh, I was just looking to see because you said October 16th at we say Haddon Haddonfield. Yeah, Haddonfield, New Jersey. Yep. Yeah, that name sounded familiar. I was like, damn, is that where Adam's supposed to be at? But no, he's not. He's October 15th in Chalfont, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I wonder if they had the same shit. But yeah, I figured you would know if you was oh yeah, on the same on the same bill. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, again, man, thanks so much, man, for joining us, man. And uh, I wish you the best in all your shit, man. Somebody go get your ass. You'll get your ass hired soon, dog. We, we putting that energy in, putting that energy in, our, in, in the air, bro. I receive it, man. I appreciate y'all so much. All right, man. Thank you, man. Yes, Lord. You can find a What Up Do podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all of them. Do you listen on iTunes? If you haven't already, drop us a review. If you got questions, you can send them to what up dope podcast at Gmail. That's W U D U P D O E P O D C A S T at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook or you can find us on Twitter at what up dope podcast. Peace.